I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. I'm here at HIMSS 16 speaking with John Houston, Vice President of Privacy and Information Security and Associate Counsel at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. John will be speaking to us about some of the top security challenges he sees facing the healthcare sector. Hi, John. How are you? Good. So now, John, in terms of security and privacy priorities and initiatives this year at UPMC, what's topping your list? Wow, it's a long list, actually. Um, I think the, the thing that we notice most at UPMC is, is that the sophistication of the threats continues to grow, and as a result, we're spending a lot of money just being able to keep up with that, that threat landscape. We we're implementing a lot of tools that uh, are, are fairly sophisticated. Uh, one in particular we've spent a lot of, of time and effort on over the last few years actually is uh, SIEM so that we can try to understand uh, as best as possible what type of potentially malicious activity is going on within our environment. So we spent an enormous amount of effort on that alone. But I, I think I could go down through the list and just across my entire uh, IT infrastructure and in probably every area I'm, I'm implementing something to help simply deal with the, the threat landscape that's, that, that seems to be growing every day. Now you mentioned uh, SIEM, and I know that here at HIMSS you're going to be talking about predictive analytics to reduce breach risks. Can you tell us a little more about how you're using predictive analytics and SIEM and whatever other tools you might be using to reduce breach risks and what sort of results you're seeing? Really, if you think about it, what predictive analytics is supposed to do is allow you to look at data sets and from the, that data, try to understand where there's potential threats within your environment. And, and really, the process is, is you look at a lot of um, potentially unrelated activities. And from those unrelated activities, you try to correlate what's going on to, to say, uh, so that one piece of information in, itself, in and of itself may not be indicative of some type of a breach or some type of a threat. But when you look at five or 10 pieces of information that, again, all are sort of in and of themselves unrelated, when you look at them together, you say, oh, okay, you, you see something going on that is indicative of, of something happening within your environment. So predictive analytics sort of says, okay, I'm going to look at a bunch of data, and from looking at that data, if I piece it together in the right way and I look at it in the right way, I, I might see something. And it's not like I'm going to see something, but you keep looking and looking and looking, and through that process, and, the, and simply through sheer volumes, you'll find those little needles in the haystack that are indicative of, of something that might be going on in your environment. We look at, by, by example, uh, with respect to, to data that we log from people accessing our, our clinical systems, we might find the fact that uh, there's a, a trend whereby, let's say by example, a nurse that works a day shift who typically accesses 10 patient records a day is in the middle of the night looking at 100 records or 1,000 records that's clearly an indicator that they're doing something that's probably wrong. It might be the nurse doing it, but it also might be a hacker that's stolen credentials, is now using those credentials to get into the systems to get the data. So predictive analytics allows you to sort of piece together the puzzle as is, is somebody in my systems doing something that they shouldn't be doing. And once you determine that there is something going on, any tips, anything that you're doing in terms of you know, stopping the damage before they start exfiltrating data or doing damage? 
Well, it's it's the early warning necessarily isn't before they do it, but you want to catch it quickly enough that if they are doing it, you catch that activity and you you shut them down. I think there was a statistic that said that the typical breach was not identified until over 200 days after it occurred. The key here is, is if you if if something's going on within your environment, if you can catch it as it's happening or just after it has happened, the amount of data that will get exfiltrated, the amount of, of damage that will be done will be significantly lessened. And that's, so that's really what you're trying to do is, is you're trying to get as close to the, the actual activity as in time frames as is humanly possible so that you can, you can shut down that access. Now you might find that, yes, that, that by my earlier example, that nurse that was accessing the data in the middle of the night, that activity in and of itself by the fact that it's going on in the middle of the night might be enough to say, that shouldn't happen and we're going to shut it down because we think that, again, happening in the middle of the night is enough to cause us to be concerned. As we know, there were several large health plans targeted by hackers last year, Anthem, Primera, several others, resulting in massive breaches. Being that UPMC is not only a health care provider but also a health plan, does that impact your security stance at all? Have these attacks on health plans affected your strategy or focus in any way? And if so, how? Yes and no. Having a large health plan, it just adds data to the, to the pot. I have to worry about the fact that I have patient records from my provider's side of, of the house, and I have to worry about health plan data from the health plan side of the house. So it just increases the amount of data that's, that's within scope of what I have to secure. And so it really, in, in, I guess in a way it does, and in a way that doesn't affect the way I have to, to look at security. I, I spend an enormous amount of time and effort on security to, to, to begin with, and it just, again, adds volume and size to the, the of what I'm trying to secure. Many of the large breaches we've been seeing in the healthcare sector, including the recent ransomware attacks, started with phishing attacks. Yeah. Anything that you're doing to help prevent UPMC users from falling victim to spear phishing attacks, especially those with privileged user credentials? Sure, we're doing a number of things. The first thing was a sort of a philosophical change within my organization. About a year and a half, two years ago, I made the decision to split my security organization into two pieces. I split it into the technical security team, which obviously is responsible for all the, the technology that we use to, to secure our environment, but I also broke the other half of my organization into what I call a human factors team. And they're really charged with dealing with the, the human side of security. And one of the things that that team does is it regularly fishes our entire workforce and, and when those people, if they fall prey to a, this phishing attack, we give them follow-up education. So we really do try to work with the end user to make sure they're aware of what they should and shouldn't be doing. That's one aspect of it. We've also spent an enormous amount of time and effort really trying to better manage our privileged credentials. We've done a variety of things to make sure that they are not being used for by users for their normal daily activity and that they're only being used for the type of work that requires privileged credentials. We're trying to reduce the number of people that have those privileged credentials and make sure that the, the hygiene around how they manage those credentials is much better. Now, any thoughts between the dispute between Apple and the FBI and this whole idea of black doors to potentially break open smartphones. Does this have any significance for the healthcare sector, do you think? Are there any potential impacts down the road? Not sure. I worry to some degree that the government has gone to Apple and, and demanded that they provide that access. 
but I also understand that it's it's part of the, a bigger discussion about national security. And I, I do somewhat fear that if companies build these backdoors into their products, that if the hackers figure out how to expose them, they're going to simply be able to more easily get at information. So the request of the government, in, in my opinion, seems reasonable. However, the unintended consequence potentially of doing so in the broader discussion around security is one that I'm a little concerned about. Finally, what about the Internet of Things, including consumer wearable devices, mobile health apps? What sorts of potential security and privacy concerns do you have about these technologies and why? And is there anything that you're doing right now to kind of stay ahead of this? I think with wearables, with Internet of Things, the problem we have to deal with is the fact that we are going to amass more and more data. We're going to have massive volumes of data about individuals. And the question is, is how is that information going to be used? It's going to be quite powerful in terms of predicting people's health or habits. And even when you look at how that data might be used by the organizations that collect it, let alone by hackers, is, is somewhat troubling because I think, I think we've, my fear is we've lost that our ability to be anonymous. We really are getting to the, the point within our society where all sorts of organizations have massive amounts of information about you and I, and we, ha we, don't, have this, we don't have personal autonomy anymore. We don't have the, the right to make decisions about ourselves anymore, but yet, you know, whether it be an insurance company or whether it be a, some company that produces consumer products, they're doing all this data mining that predicts what I'm going to buy you know, what I'm going to wear, whether I'm going to need certain services or products. So that's very troubling as a, as a concept. But again, because of the fact that these organizations are building massive quantities of data about you and I, that also becomes a rich target for, for anybody who wants to hack into that information and steal it. So I think our society, we have some very difficult questions that we have to confront, and I'm not sure how we, we resolve that um, and what it looks like in 10 years, but just the amount of data in and of itself, it, it, in my opinion, it becomes a very scary proposition. And finally, John, what do you think will be the biggest security and privacy issues facing the healthcare sector in the year ahead? What will dominate headlines? I think that it, the ransomware event that occurred a few weeks ago is very troubling. It's troubling for a couple of reasons. First of all, I didn't see that that was going to happen at least as quickly as it did. I, I, I think we all expected at some point something like that would happen, but for a, a hospital to be targeted and to have that happen is, is, is very scary, I mean, both in terms of patient care, but as, as a business, just you know, having somebody come in and to literally shut your business down is something that's very disconcerting. I think that um, my concern is a, a, an organization like UPMC, we spend a lot of time, a lot of effort to prevent those types of things from occurring. But there are a lot of hospitals in the United States that are ill-prepared to take on that type of a challenge. There's so many small hospitals that are struggling to, to stay uh, in business and to keep the lights on. And for them to have to worry about trying to put that type of security in place is a daunting task and frankly in, I think in many many cases they're just not prepared to do so. I look at an organization like mine that have, we have a, a large number of individuals dedicated to security but then I look at a very small hospital that has nobody dedicated to security and you, you have to question how, how can they confront those types of challenges 
And I think the, the answer that I see is, is that they're not, they don't even know that it's occurring in most cases. With ransomware, yes, because that's something that's going to hit you straight in the face. But I think that a lot of very, a lot of hospitals are probably they've been hacked, data's been stolen. They just don't even realize it's happened yet. And I think if I look across the United States, we're talking about many millions of records that are at risk, and those small hospitals have no idea and have no capacity to, to, to confront that challenge. Any advice to some of those smaller organizations that might have tight resources and what they can do to get a better handle on all this? I'm going to answer that with sort of an opinion about the cloud. My opinion about the cloud is it scares me because of the fact that uh, I think in many cases my organizations can secure my data better when it's within my data centers and within my premises. And so I'm not a huge fan of, of my organization going to the cloud because of that. And yes, that's a reality. I know we're moving to the cloud, and so I have to worry about how to secure data in that context. The but to that is, is but for the very small hospital, the cloud is a way to get to a more secure environment. Why? Because you'll have a, a, an EHR vendor that has, has the wherewithal, has the capacity to secure the, those systems and that information. And by subscribing to those cloud-based services, that small hospital may be actually improving their security. So in one sense, the cloud presents many security challenges, but in some ways it actually solves some of the security challenges we have. Thanks, John. I've been speaking to John Houston of UPMC. I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.